Well, hello and welcome to the Strategic Insights podcast brought to you by Strategic Enhancement Group. I'm Tim Deitch, Senior Performance Consultant, and today I'm joined by our senior partner, Bob Parks. Welcome, Bob. Well, thanks for having me. Glad you're here. At Strategic Enhancement, we've been helping sales managers and their teams for several decades, and we've seen a lot of new approaches to developing the staff and their teams. But today, we want to focus on three fundamentals of day-to-day sales management. You know, these fundamentals receive nodding acceptance from sales managers as important, but they're consistently undervalued when it's time to actually plan to do them well, to fit them into day-to-day execution. And so why now? Well, our our intent with the podcast today is that we know now is a period when many sales managers are planning for next year. So the intent of, of our time today is to offer some timely food for thought on three particular fundamentals uh, for sales managers to to consider. And here's the three of them. Uh, Coaching their teams, the importance of coaching, the importance of reinforcing the skills that the team has been trained and expected to use, and the importance of reducing barriers to the team performance and productivity. For each area, we'll talk about the merits of prioritizing the area, the opportunities lost or gained, depending on the depth of focus a manager gives. And then we'll offer tips for each of them for how do you fit them into the day-to-day. Now, the value to the sales manager we intend is that that you'll appreciate the timely reminder, and you'll also value the ideas we share for implementing each of them. So let's get started, and we'll start with coaching. You know, and just to frame this correctly, we're talking about planning to personally coach your team frontline, right? Ensuring or, you know, you can ensure that a coaching resource is available, but we want to make sure they're actively and regularly tapped in a timely way in a person to person fashion. Right now, important, we're defining coaching as what happens on that day-to-day basis, just prior, during, or after moments with customers. And I'll give you an analogy, just a real brief analogy, and that is, you know, imagine the sporting world where coaching takes place in the midst of games regularly, right? We know that. We know there's timeouts in games and there's coaching that occurs in the middle and all along from the sidelines. Imagine not doing that. Imagine where the last time you coach a team is the day before they go to the game, and then you don't coach them until the day after a game. What we're talking about right now is how do you make yourself present in the midst of the sales experience? Okay. So, Bob, you know, you've worked with sales managers for over 30 years. Why is it that after all these years, day-to-day coaching continues to be something that's so difficult for sales managers to prioritize? Well, I think you said it, Tim. Uh, the answer is priorities. Um, it's, you know, sales leaders, and managers of managers, and um, first-line managers all have too many important things to do. Um, most don't really appreciate or understand the impact that coaching has on results. Um, first and secondly, it's hard work. Um, right. You know, in, in order to to be effective at either uh, 
making sure your sales managers are coaching if you're a manager of a manager or coaching yourself as a first-line manager, um, you after you make it a real priority, then you have to do all the right things. You have to set clear expectations. Uh, you have to make sure the managers are trained to coach. Um, it's interesting. Most, um, most managers will say they know how to coach, but few really do. Right. Um, then you have to give the managers the time. This is, this is back to priorities. I mean, making sure that a first-line manager has the time to invest in coaching their salespeople. And that then do they have the tools to coach? You have to measure the results like with anything else, and there has to be consequences, both positive and negative. Yeah. If those things in place, then you, you, get, you get a good coaching culture. That's great. And we'll speak to a few tips on that, on developing that culture in a second. But let's look at the merits of coaching first. You know, these are things we all know, but it's worth, if we're going to prioritize, it helps to lock in. One is sales teams want coaching. Um, even some salespeople have been around forever. They like it when they receive a timely piece of assistance, uh, an insight that they weren't aware of. They want that coaching moment. And many salespeople, frankly, are left on their own, totally on their own to go out, get into the game and come back and report the results. The other merit to coaching is, is that it is actually literally real help. It's, just, it's especially when done timely. And that real help, you know, improves morale and improves the results, of course. So, Bob, would you add anything to, to the merits? Well, I'd say the the biggest merit of coaching is to is really developing uh, a professional sales force. Um, it's amazing to me yeah. how um, in so many other uh, disciplines people work really hard to become truly professional, um, and they just assume that you know somebody who is selling uh, knows how to sell. And um, you know, I heard years and years ago this whole concept of uh, unconscious incompetence and um and it 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 came to me from a, a, a professional athlete and basically um what they're saying is that you know people go out there and they do their job but <clears throat> you know they're bad and they don't know they're bad and they're unconscious about their incompetence and the only way they're going to figure out that they they need help is somebody's got to coach them somebody's got to got to help them so they're they're seeing customers, but they're, um, you know, they're uh, uh, pitching the product too soon. They're talking just about product features. Um, they're not asking enough questions. Um, you know, they're ra- wasting these extremely valuable moments with the customer. Um, and they need, like any professional athlete, they need to be coached. And um, um, we'll say more about the whole competence issue later. But but think about that. If you're a sales manager or if you're a manager of sales managers, don't you want your people to be professional? Yeah. So these are the opportunities lost. Right. So it, so just to make sure I've got you right. If you're unconsciously incompetent, you may be positioning a solution or a product way too early in the conversation. You haven't had enough discovery, but you position the product and they look at you and they say, well, no, no thanks. And the, the unconscious incompetent is when the salesperson comes back and says, well, it's the product, you know, that we must not have a very good product. 
when in reality, they probably, they didn't get anywhere near the level of discovery that they needed. Is, is that what you're saying? Well, well, yeah, they say it's a product, but most, m- even more frequently, they come back to their boss and say, it's the price. Okay. You know, we really, yes. we yes. really need to cut the price, you know, and, and um, that's just flat out not true. Right. Right. So let's talk some tips to better coaching. You know, no, no, nobody, nobody is going to suggest that we're wrong in what we're saying. So a few tips. One is absolutely to prioritize, to create coaching moments. You want to ask your team for the situations that they need help with. So you, you know it's coming and you, you where you can partner with them to address their challenge is where the coaching really comes to play. Certainly, if you're in any kind of position to ride along, to join in a customer moment, that's great. Not, not, not all sales managers are anywhere near that position, but you can join them on conference calls. You can speak with them just prior to give them a few tidbits so that they go in with greater confidence. You know, another form of coaching is to create or recruit mentors who do all of those moments before, but to, to, to elevate them as experts in particular areas and to connect them with salespeople well in advance of the moment when that help would, 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 they would be needed. So, Bob, uh, any other tips on coaching that you'd offer? Well, I, I, I think the, the, one of the most important things for, for first-line sales managers to understand is that coaching is something they do all the time. Um, that's a critical understanding. It's not something you do um, at sales meetings. It's something you do all the time. And every sales manager... Uh, talks with his or her uh, direct reports probably several times a day or certainly multiple times in a week. Remember, each of those conversations is a coaching opportunity and you should be using them and you should be coaching deliberately. And and what I mean by that is if somebody says they have an important appointment uh, tomorrow morning, you should ask as a coach, well, what are you going to say? How are you going to open that sale? you know, um, and make them practice because there aren't any professionals I know that don't practice. And um, if they can't do it or they don't do it well, then you demonstrate on the phone how they should do it and you make them practice. Um, I mean, that's how you get professional is you, you practice and you practice correctly. So remember, if you're a, if you're a direct sales manager, um, you need to be coaching all the time. Every communication, email, et cetera, is a coaching opportunity. Well said. Well said. So let's shift to our second focus area, which is reinforcement. Right Now, by this, we mean the planning to reinforce the skills you've trained them to, de- to use or the sales process that they use, the skills you believe are essential for your team's success, not just broad sales uh, disciplines, but the actual skills that help you sell your products and bring your solutions and services. So it's important. Let me let me strike that difference between reinforcement and coaching. Right. It's easy to lump day to day coaching into this category. But for this session, we want you to break out skills reinforcement and the resources through which you reinforce Uh, uh, separately, right? So here's a few examples of what we mean by reinforcement. 
team meetings, you know, that include revisits to the skills you've trained. So when we, you structure it into sales meeting, what works, what doesn't work, what they should be focused on. The practice of skills that takes place at the team meetings or in one-on-one sessions, you know, versus the opposite of where they go practice on customers, right? You, you want to be practicing amongst yourselves before they take it out into the, to the market. A third one is linking the use of skills to sales landed. There's almost no better reinforcement than this one to 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 be um, to be uh, have an understanding that the skills we used had a role in landing a sales success. And then a fourth point is the, the provision of easy to access resources, right? Planning tools, right? Planning tools allow you to reinforce that the skills you want them to use are essential. Okay, so a question for you, Bob. You know, we'll get into the keys and the imperative for reinforcement in, in, in a moment, but um, yeah, but I want to let's start with this scenario. The sales team has been trained to a particular set of skills, but there's no reinforcement of the skills once training is complete. So typically, what happens in this scenario to a team and its product productivity if the skills they've been trained on aren't reinforced? Well, basically, um, as an organization, you've wasted a lot of money, uh, first of all. Um, We know, research is really clear, that about 85% of the learning will disappear in nine months, over the period of nine months, if there's no reinforcement. Um, And I don't know anybody that should be happy with, uh, you know, 15 to 20% of the the behavior Mm -hmm. change. The other thing we know, because there's all kinds of research on behavior, um, we know that if the training's good, and that's that's also a big a big if, but if the training's good, um, then <clears throat> we know that um, if you don't reinforce, you'll you can you can get um, with really good training over that nine months period, you can get about a thirty percent improvement in behavior. And we also know that improved skills, a little more professional salesperson, gets better results. And that's really what it's all about. But here's the interesting statistic, that if you will coach and if you will reinforce, and again, by the way, this doesn't cost you an additional nickel, all right? If you will do that, then you can get the behavior change anywhere from 50 to 80%. And if you can get that kind of behavior change um, on a more almost a permanent basis, um, then you can get um, major differences in your sales results. And really, again, isn't that what you really want? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. So better use of skills equal better results, right? And and so so I'll shift to the merits of reinforcement. Obviously, number one is the results, right? But there's a few other merits. Uh, you know, for one is, is sales teams know that you're serious about the skills. You didn't just send me to a training and, you know, and we just checked the box and, and so forth. It matters to you that they use what they've been trained. You know, another is, is, the, the, is the clarity of adhering to a common sales approach a common sales language that training often provides, right? It creates clarity for everybody. It puts everybody on the same page. And that has, that has wonderful uh, ramifications for, for people understanding their role. The other is that it's real help. Again, here's that real help word, right? And, and when it's timely, it, it improves morale and results. It matters. People, 
no, very few people have ever felt good about leaving a training session behind and never, re, never, never touching it again. You know, it, it creates alignment, right? Uh, but anything you'd add to the to the merits beyond those? Well, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we have thirty four years of experience in this. We are in thirty states, thirty seven countries, and I can tell you um, very sincerely that. If you're going to train your sales force and you're not going to coach and reinforce, then save your money, ha uh, have a picnic or have everybody to dinner or do something else. Because here's what happens. If you train them and then you don't reinforce them and you don't coach them, then you what you've created is a cynical sales force. OK. And the next thing that happens is your turnover will go up. So, you know, think about it. You know, if you're not ready to make a commitment to changing behavior and improving results, then do something else with your money. Right. Right. And so, so you know, let's, uh, so let's move to the, the, the glorious positivity of it, right? Um, you spoke before around the opportunities of reinforcement. You spoke before about the language of the unconscious incompetent. So doesn't reinforcement turn them into consciously competent? Absolutely. In fact, I would say yeah. that's the, that the, the, the professional athletes that I know, they um, define uh, professional almost that way. I mean, they are consciously competent. So it's not that they don't ever make a mistake. OK, um, and Tiger Woods just won another tournament this weekend and um, it, he didn't he, he didn't have a perfect game. Uh, the, the thing that makes him a professional is that he, when he has a bad shot, unlike me, uh, I have multiple bad shots, but he has a bad shot. He corrects it. He doesn't have mm -hmm. two or three or four bad shots in a row. And that's the definition of a conscious competent. They can self-correct. Right. Correct. A professional knows what they're doing well enough at a conscious level that they can self-correct. And, and salespeople are on their own by themselves a lot. And having a sales force that is professional, that are conscious competence, um, is, is so important. I mean, if you want to see your results improve, you know, then have your salespeople become conscious competence. Right. So let's shift to, to so tips to creating for the sales manager to implement these reinforcement practices as part of their culture. So a few tips. One is make time for skills practice at the team meetings and the sales meetings. We've said this before. When the team knows that you're going to practice the skills, they can tell you what they want to work on, what they need to work on. You know, when you and and by the way, when you coach day to day, this is self-apparent to you. But if you're not coaching day to day and you know you've made time for this in sales meetings, it allows you to work on what you need to. Another is, is recognize when the desired skills are producing the desired results, right? It's the whole notion of best practices. Well, often what we do in the sales world is we tell great sales stories, like it's this heroic moment that takes place and we're very proud and so forth. But often we forget to link the result back to, you know, how did we get there with these tremendous discovery skills? Did I adjust my style for this customer or this opportunity in a way that made it possible to succeed? So talking through how did we succeed, not just telling good stories, is a, is a very important reinforcement. Another, and, and some would argue the most important, is, 
is gathering customer assessments of team member or salesperson skills and behaviors. Nothing reinforces better than understanding or, or having your own customers confirm what they value in you as a salesperson and why. Bob, any, any other, any last advice you'd offer on this one? Well, I think you've hit it uh, uh, really well. I think, first of all, the whole idea of making making time is is really important. Making sure that it's a priority. Also, making sure that you hold your people. If you're a manager of managers, are you holding them accountable for doing reinforcement? Are you holding them accountable for coaching? And I think, uh, lastly, is um, give them the tools. And what I mean by that is if your Salesforce can't go into their Salesforce automation tool and push a button and get uh, answers to coaching questions just off their, off their Salesforce automation, then you're behind the times and, and your competitors are doing that. So having the right tools and, of course, then, you know, we always say this, make sure you're measuring uh, the behavior and the results, not just the, the sales numbers, but are you getting the behaviors you want? Absolutely. Okay, so let's shift to our point three, our emphasis point three this uh, today, and that's reducing barriers. Um, you know, the, 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 and, and, their, and the commitment to reducing barriers to the team's success. This area is obvious to sales teams, the sales ter- the, you know, individual, but it's not always clear to the sales manager. You know, and it's our point of view that reducing barriers is the fundamental role of a sales manager or a sales leader for that matter. So, Bob, we know that some barriers feel immovable to a sales manager or sales leader and other barriers can be reduced or at least to some extent be addressed. Right. What would you say are the most typical barriers to a sales team's success that that team's manager can do something about? Well, I think the <clears throat> one of the ones that uh, jumps out as just incredible that that it actually occurs is that um, the whole idea of process, in the sense that you need to make sure that your sales managers, your direct sales managers, have the opportunity to reinforce and coach. And by that, I mean you need to release uh, the or remove some of the administrative burden uh, that that they have. We we have a, a very large client that if you ask their direct sales managers, their first line sales managers, they'll tell you they spend 65% of their time on corporate um, um, administrative duties. And that's ridiculous. And we have clients, we've run into prospects who are very proud of the fact that they've removed all of their administrative help for their sales managers. They've taken all the administrators out of the district offices and they've saved some money. And, and it's absurd because they haven't saved any money. They've just taken a lower level skill and required a higher level person to do it. Um, so those, I think for understanding process, and then we've already talked about skills, making sure that they have, a, have enough skills, I think is the second way. Um, and I think um, making sure they're motivated and, you, and the way you motivate this, them as a leader is making sure that the their roles are clear and their expectations that you have for them are clear. And of course, with everything I would add should be accountability. Yes, definitely. So, so let's, so let's shift to the merits of reducing the barriers, right? Um, You know, sales teams value 
uh, when they're heard and that you take to the steps to help them succeed. Your behaviors, now we move from the sales team's behaviors to the manager's behaviors. Your behaviors and the priority you give the barriers will show them. Your words will not. Simply talking about a barrier and helping them, quote, overcome a barrier is not enough by itself. You've got to go say, well, all right, which ones, which barriers am I going to reduce on your behalf? Another merit is just flat out productivity. You'll get more done and likely have better results by reducing barriers, just pragmatically. And again, there's that point again. The third one is it's real help. And again, especially in a timely way, it can improve morale and results when your team knows that you're going to bat for you. So, Bob, let's switch to opportunities gained by reducing barriers. What would you say is, so from a team set, in your experience, when a manager reduces barriers, what's the result? Well, I think there are two major results, and these are easy to see. First of all, you're, <clears throat> you're really good salespeople. You're high-potential salespeople. Now see an opportunity with your company. They now see they're valued. Um, they now see that you're willing to spend time and money on them, and they stay. Um, you know, you, your turnover is always a problem because you're all, you typically lose your best people. Um, and so that's one way to turn that around. Uh, and then the second thing, which, you know, I think is, is what we're all looking to achieve, and that is uh, sales results. Um, if, if, you, if you will do this, reinf this reinforcement, make sure they have the right, they've been trained in the right skills, and you do the reinforcement, and you get the right behaviors, you get these people behaving like professional salespeople, uh, your results will be there. Absolutely. So a few tips to close out this section. One is, you know, to first identify the barriers that if you did drop them would have the greatest impact on productivity. And I hope it doesn't go without saying you want to ask the team for their view. Imagine what it's like when you say, hey, look, I'm planning for next year. What barriers, if I reduce them, would, 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 would allow you all to be more productive? Ask them and you'll have a list. And then, of course, prioritize the barriers. You prioritize them by those you can address and prioritize the list even with the team's help, right? And then something often missed is to set and communicate a timeline for addressing the barriers. Let the team in on the fact that you're on the case. Bob, any other, any last tip that you'd offer? Well, point. I think I think um, one simple way to to manage this is managers of sales managers to ask the simple question, um, and that is, what activities um, and behaviors are directly contributing to my increasing of increasing sales, um, and do more of those, and then eliminate those activities and behaviors that aren't directly increasing sales. It's not. It's not rocket science. It's not. It's, it sounds so simple, but um, uh, but it, it won't happen unless we have a concerted focus on, on making it happen. So in summary, we know that sales managers and leaders have extremely challenging jobs. And we know that advanced planning gives them and their teams the best chance to be successful. You know, we hope that the areas we've discussed today, coaching, reinforcement, and barrier reduction 
are not seen as add-ons that take time from a manager. We hope that you view them as essential to success and worthy of thoughtful planning and implementation. We know that you'll be glad you took the time and your team will appreciate and value your commitment to their success. We wish you good luck and we offer this invitation. If you have additional questions or thoughts, please visit us at strategicenhancement.com.